record on this computer. Good morning, and uh, thank you for joining in with us. However you may be joining and wherever you are, we're thankful that you're here and that you're, you're in with us. Welcome to the Mike and Mike podcast as we continue talking about uh, Christians at work and how um, we can learn from the lessons uh, that the scriptures give to us. As joining me always is my esteemed colleague, Michael Ray. Michael, how's everything in Somerset today? It's excellent, a weekend edition, and I should probably let this go, but but the listeners need to know that it's one thirty Eastern time, and you started with a good morning, and I just think that is fantastic, so I don't know when you rolled out of bed, but hey, good morning, brother. Hope all is well. I know at least one of our listeners loves that I say good morning, no matter what time of day it is, uh, so I, I do that just for him. Uh, anyway, as we, uh, kind of, we shifted gears a couple weeks ago and started talking about looking at lessons we can learn from, um, people in business or business owners throughout the scripture. So we spent the last couple of weeks looking at Joseph first in his life in Potiphar's house and then his life in Pharaoh's house, um, and lessons we can learn to, to be better in business, um, from them. Today, we're going to go deep cuts, um, and we're going to go to the book of Ruth and talk about Boaz. Um, the book of Ruth, a, a lot of you may be familiar with Ruth's story um, and, and, and the spiritual lessons of redemption and kindness and mercy that come from there, um, but sometimes lost in there is, is Boaz, and as, as we were kind of looking through this, both uh, Michael and I, it, it kind of jumped out that Boaz doesn't get enough play. Um, and we need to talk a little bit more about just how, uh, how good a dude Boaz is. Um, so Michael, for, for, for those that may not be as familiar with the story, um, or maybe it's just been a while since they've heard it. Um, tell us a little bit about, about Ruth and how we, we get to meet Mr. Boaz. Yeah. Bo, Boaz is a good dude. Underrated. He's on my, he's on my all underrated team. I think, um, on Bible characters, especially after doing a little study. Uh, in preparation here. So, so everything we learned about Boaz um, is, is from the book of Ruth um, in, in your old Testament. So the book of Ruth takes place during the time of the judges. Uh, we're not, we're not a hundred percent sure, you know, where exactly we fall here in, in the time of the judges. I, I know, I, I think there's even some speculation that Boaz may have been another name for one of the judges. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but we are, we are in the time of the, of the judges. And we learn in, in chapter one, that there is a, um, and an Israelite from the from the land of Judah, uh, Bethlehem, a little messianic foreshadowing in a lot of ways in the Book of Ruth. The first one is there's a man named Elimelech from from Bethlehem of Judah, and for whatever reason, he takes his wife and his sons and, and moves to Moab, which would have been a foreign country, a little southeast of of Judah. They would have circled the Dead Sea, and Moab would have been on the other side there. Not sure what took him that direction. We're not told that, but we know that he goes to live as a foreigner in Moab, takes his, uh, his Jewish wife, Naomi, and takes his two sons to Moab. They get married to Moabite women. Um, and, and then unfortunately father and sons die. And so you've got this kind of this touching story that we probably all know in, in Ruth chapter one, where the daughters-in-law decide, um, whether to stay in Moab or whether to travel back to, to the land of Israel with their mother-in-law. Um, one of the, one of the daughters-in-law stays in Moab where she would have been familiar with the land and the families and the culture. And the other uh, kind of leaves everything to go with the, the mother-in-law. Well, the, the one that leaves everything is named Ruth and it's uh, it's her book. It's named after her. She becomes very prominent in the lineage of Christ. Um, and, and, and kind of an example of uh, just 
affection and, and even a foreigner recognizing that God working in, in people's lives. And you get this very familiar and heartwarming story at the end of chapter one, your God will be my God, your people will be my people, where you go, I'll go, where you die, I die, uh, that, that Ruth tells Naomi. And so they move back to Israel. And as you can imagine, culturally, uh, two unwed females um, uh, in the land of Israel in this time, um, it, it's, a, it's a tough go. Um, they don't, there's no, no provider. Um, and, and we, we learn a couple of things. We learned in chapter four that Naomi's had to sell what property that she did have, or she was trying to sell that property just to try to stay afloat. And we also know that, that Ruth takes it upon herself to go glean the fields just to try to provide something for her and her mother-in-law. And, and it is in this gleaning, which we'll talk a little bit about just picking up the scraps, so to speak. It's in this gleaning that we run into Boaz. And, and just what, what very little we do know about Boaz in, in chapter two and verse one, and I'm in the net version, um, is that, is that he's just a wealthy, prominent businessman. Um, he, he owns fields. Um, and so he's a landowner. He is a producer of grain. We know that there's multiple crops in play, even in the short book of Ruth. And so he's, he's, he, he is a man of some means. Uh, he, he's a buyer and seller of land. He's a, he's a farmer. He's a producer. And he also has, uh, a, a pretty decent sized staff apparently that works with him in that process we learn in chapters two and three and so um, through providence and good advice of mother-in-law Ruth ends up in in the fields of this particular distant relative Boaz and that's kind of where we begin this story about what a good dude Boaz is um, and how he treats both his people and how he treats Ruth um, and and what we can learn from him Again, most important lessons here are spiritual, but I think it's interesting. He's a businessman and a successful one, and we learn some things about how he goes about his business from the way that he treats Ruth and others in in chapters two and three. Yeah, there in, in the English Standard Version, um, I, I love the fact of, of verse one says Boaz is a worthy man, um, and, and we're going to find out through <clears throat> through our conversations today just exactly all the ramifications of worthy that that takes on. Cause he's a, uh, as, as we've said, uh, as good a dude, I think as there is that, that doesn't get enough play. So we want to, a couple of things, just some disclosures. Um, you know, you got the accountant and the financial planner. We love disclosures. So let's give a couple of disclosures. One, we are not going to get into the weeds of, you know, uh, redeeming property and leverite vows. And, and there, there's a lot of goofy stuff that, that's going on in here. It's some context with the Levitical law, um, you know, we, we do want to touch on. So it, I think sometimes we try to take our 21st century worldview and put it on a time in the judges. Don't do that. Um, understand just what the context was. Women could not own property. Women could not really produce for themselves and they were in a bad spot. You know, they come back and they're by all intents and purposes, living in a shack, trying to figure out how they're going to make it because they are absolutely destitute. And without a man, without a husband who can own property for them and be able to help them, um, they are in, in pretty bad straits. And so here they find themselves, you know, in, in this bad spot. Yeah, and Mike, I would I would add that the only really social safety net of the day um, was what we're going to talk about was God in His law demanded that there be some left for some gleaning. I mean, that's the safety net. That's the that's the whatever uh, governmental or social agency that you want to plug in that would exist in in 2021. Back then, we could glean, and that was our opportunity. So that that's kind of kind of begins our story. So, so you've said glean a couple of times, give us the quick and dirty 
on what the what the laws say about gleaning and and what what really is gleaning because i don't i don't know that many of our listeners understand what a glean is yeah it's not a 21st century word is it um uh, you know uh, in, in in this version that i'm looking at it actually doesn't use the word but in, in chapter two and verse two ruth says naomi let me go to the field so i can gather grain behind who permits me to do so and that that's probably a a, a thirty thousand foot view of it it's it's just gathering some grain that's left behind and um you know these you you, you think about in, in terms of the day these were um, large, uh, almost industrial scale harvesting um, um, enterprises, and there were men out there that were harvesting the grain and 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 using whatever tools were available today and putting it in sacks. And, and you know, they're, obviously, they're trying for the, as efficiently as they could do it with the tools that they had. Uh, inevitably, in that process, some would be missed. Uh, either it was left on the on the stalk, so to speak, or it was dropped on the ground, or it was it was uh, walked on, or or they didn't get to the corners of the fields. Some was left, and and God in his in his law in the Old Testament law in his providence said that those um, those bits of of grain that was either either missed or dropped uh, by the harvesters was no longer theirs. That was those that. That was the uh, property. God, God set that aside for the sojourner and for the for the impoverished. Um, and, and I think there's there's probably some lessons just in that um, that God set up. Hey, in these harvesting in in this uh, farming business, there is an allowance for the the poor and the sojourner. Um, I think that's there's probably a, a principle there that that I don't want to breeze by. And we also know that Boaz took that principle seriously. Um, and so he's, he's a godly man. And he, he just at the, at the base, we know he's taken that seriously because before Ruth even meets Boaz, she has she has managed to to have a uh, as successful a day as you can have in this gathering up the scraps. She's had that because and his the people in his employee understood and believed in this law of God. Yeah. And, and let, let's remember, too, from our Old Testament history the children of Israel didn't always follow the laws, right? That the sacrifices and the year of Jubilee and all of those things that were supposed to be there, they didn't always follow that stuff. And especially in the time of judges, as we remember from the judges cycle, it, it wasn't as if because God said it, they actually did it. So I, everyone, I think, everyone did was right in their own eyes, I believe. <laughs> yes. I think that that's, that's the correct quote here. So, but Boaz, a man of God believed in this, believed in, in the, provisions and the safety net for those poor and foreigners and strangers and sojourners that, that he believed in that and believed in God and, and, and trusted in God. Um, and, and I think there's, you know, we may need to come back to this at some point in the future and talk about, you know, the, the ramifications of not only is there a safety net, but what those that needed the safety net had to do in order to acquire it. And there, there's just a lot here. Um, for our purposes today, we're going to focus a little bit more on, on Boaz. So in our introduction to Boaz, he's a worthy man. He's a good guy. And, and, and business principle number one that I, that I think we, we should talk about and that we can take in, because that's what we're doing. We're trying to learn these principles that these successful people did and how we can apply them in, in our own lives. But business principle number one is, is Boaz had an outstanding relationship with his staff, employees, coworkers. You know, here, here is, as he comes out, um, verse four of chapter two, and behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered him and said, 
the Lord bless you. <laughs> that, that's their greeting in the morning. You know, it's not a, you know, and sometimes, you know, I, I think we've all worked for companies like that. When, when the brass show up, it's, you know, status report, you know, what are you doing? You know, what's the numbers look like? Let's get down to, you know, the, the, what have you done for me lately? But that's not the, 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 at, at all the relationship that they have, you know, he's, you know, I hope you boys are doing good. Um, the Lord bless you. The Lord be with you. And they respond right back to him, you know, in the same. So he has an atmosphere here where I think God is at the center of it, both for his people and, and for himself. And that's something that is, you know, both taken very seriously and, and that those relationships are strong. He knows who they are and, and he knows, you know, kind of what's going on out there. Um, what other, I, I would, I, yeah, I would also know just along the, that same line of he, he, he seemed to have a good relationship with, with the folks that worked with him and for him, you know, down in verse 14 at mealtime, he's eating with them. He's, he's sharing with them. They're sitting, they're sitting side by side, seemed to be the kind of guy who would know, know these folks by name. Um, it wouldn't, wouldn't be the, the guy that normally, you know, this is not the guy that runs my fleshing up oper- threshing operation, but you know, it's, you know, Micah or whatever, you know, right. he, he, he would have, he would have known him by name and seemed to have some relationship with them. And also, you know, the fact that, you know, in a, in a secular environment, right, this is, he's in, we're in business as he walks out to the field. This is not a time of worship. He walks out of the field, but his greeting is, may the Lord be with you. And the greeting back is, they're greeting back to him is, is may the Lord bless you. That, that, that speaks to the kind of environment, the culture uh, if you will, that, that he kind of had in his operation. And, and I think it's, that's, that's that first business principle is, is know those coworkers that are with you and, and create that environment and culture, you know, in order to be successful, you know, they looked at, and, and here's the, the thing, you know, the, the, the principle um, that we talked about from Joseph, I think is here too, that Boaz's success was based on their work, but Boaz's success was their success too. So oftentimes we as employees, as laborers, what our blessings are, what what we do well is benefiting others, is benefiting the top of the house, is benefiting those. And they didn't begrudge him that. They wanted him to be blessed and he wanted them to be blessed. Um, So the better that the corporation, if you will, did, the better the operation did, the better it was for, for the workers too. And it seemed to be that that was the um, atmosphere. That was the culture. That was the environment that was created is that everybody wanted to see those things happen. And I think sometimes, you know, we in business begrudge the fact that, you know, look at, you know, the, they're doing well off of my labor, as opposed to seeing it as, as a true partnership. And I, I think that's, that's part of the culture that has to be there. Um, so, so one, you know, the relationship that he had, but two, because of that relationship, Boaz didn't miss any details. Um, so, so here's, here's the thing that, that business principle number two, don't miss the small stuff because the small stuff's important. Then Boaz says to his young man, who's in charge of the reapers. So to Michael's point, this is a big operation. He's got a guy that's in charge of the guys. So we we got middle management here. So he goes to middle management and says, uh, Whose young woman is this? So I want you to think about how big this operation is, how many people they got out there. He notices that there's a new person out there gleaming. There's a new person that's out there working in the field. And he says, you know, who she belonged to? What's her story? What's going on here? And it's not, and, and I think sometimes we get this idea. He's not coming to question them about what they're doing. 
right? Like, hey, who's letting this person out there? He's coming because he's genuinely interested. And I think we know that based on the answer that we get. So, so listen to the answer. She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So he doesn't say, ah, she's just some old poor girl from town. He knows her story. This is the Moabite woman that came back with Naomi. The story of Naomi and, and Ruth has gotten out in town, or at least has gotten out back to this guy who is making sure that now Boaz knows about it, that he knows what's going on, knows who she is. And most importantly, I think it's very interesting here, knows about how hard she's been going all day. You know, I, I'm going to go back and read that again in case you missed it. Uh, she came and continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. She's been out there getting it is, 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 the, is the current vernacular we would use. She got here early and she's been out there getting it. She took a short break, got her some water, and she went right back to work. And and I think it's very interesting that this this uh, chief middle management, whatever they whatever they called him here, the man servant in charge of the harvesters, um, that I think Boaz has had. It wouldn't be unfair to guess that Boaz has had uh, some impact on him, mm-hmm. that his his uh, has had some influence. Because as you said, this, this chief of the harvesters didn't see Ruth primarily as a, a, some poor girl that's trying to get by, you know, on, on our work, you know, we're, we're doing the hard work of pulling this and we happen to drop something and she, she picks it up. She's, she's just a scavenger. She's, she's, she, and, and remember she's a foreigner. She's, she's just some poor foreign scavenger trying to, uh, live off of our hard work. You, Boaz, this is your field and we're working hard. And then these people just come in and scavenge your stuff. Rather, it was, it was almost as if she was an opportunity for grace, yes. you know, that she, she was an opportunity to do something good for her, that, 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 um, vision of, uh, being benevolent kind of permeated his operation. Now, now maybe we're making a lot out of a little, but I, but I do think it's interesting that that, that the response was not, uh, you know, Boaz, these, these gleaners are out here just, you know, picking you dry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, just stealing stuff that's yours. Uh, but rather she, she was a, she was, had a story. She had a background. Um, and, and she was a real person and we lose that sometimes, especially we're talking about some people that might be, um, uh, less privileged that she, that she was a real person, had a real story and she was an opportunity for grace. I just think that that is incredibly interesting that that was the story that, that Boaz gets back from this lead harvester. Who must have been a good dude, also, by the way. Right. Yeah. But by by all accounts, um, my lighting's just jacked up. So, uh, by by all if, account, if it if it matters, you're cuter in the dark. <laughs> I, I listen. It's not the first time I've been told that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I I think it 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 matters that uh that that he's looking into that. But I also think that the the next phrase um or the next verse here that that we get to is. You know, Boaz now wants to go meet her, right? So this isn't a big, you know, and I think sometimes within corporations, there's this huge gap between the C-suite and the workers. You know, he could have very easily sent this middle manager out there to her with instructions, right? He could have very easily said, hey, Micah, 
you know, Joe, Bob, whatever your name is, why don't you go tell her X, Y, and Z? You know, you need to explain these things to her, but no, it's, it's Boaz comes to talk to her and says, now, listen, my daughter, don't go glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young men. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? So he's already given instructions that, hey, I don't care if she's a foreigner, don't care anything about this. She is to be treated with, with respect. She's to be honored. She's not to be abused or assaulted. And, you know, as we fast forward a little bit later, that's the same advice that Naomi gives her is, look, don't go in some of these other fields because there's unscrupulous workers out there that may assault you. So the fact that he's looking out for her, the fact that he's taking care of her says, again, a lot about where he's at. So in that second business principle of not missing any details, I think the third one shortly behind that is showing this kindness and compassion to all workers. She doesn't work for him, right? She's not his worker. She's a gleaner. But his kindness and compassion extends to all that he perceives as under his care. She now, if you're gleaning in my field, I'm going to take some responsibility for you and make sure you're taken care of. Uh, this is maybe a little off the path here, but I, I can't fathom how dangerous it would be for a good looking foreign woman, young, a, a, an attractive young woman alone off in a, in a random field with, with day laborers. I mean, can you imagine what could have happened in the wrong circumstance if, if, if she ends up in the wrong field? Um, so the, the providence is, is certainly there, but, but the providence only works because God directed her toward a field of this guy. And, and I, anyway, I think that's the, the you know, <laughs> providence, providence only works if God's got people to work it through, right? And so that in this case, God had Boaz to work this through, and, and, and Ruth is obviously fortunate that that's the case. Yeah, and I think that, it, you know, uh, providence is just ordinary people doing godly things, uh, you know, is, is ultimately how it, how it ends up working. And, you know, the fact that, um, you know, Boaz, again, you know, of all these people, you know, he says this, Naomi doubles down on it. So what that tells me is these things have happened, right? That young women have been assaulted in these fields, and it's a yeah. real threat because he's saying – hey, my guys don't act like this. And they've been instructed that there's harsh consequences if you act like this. But Naomi's also saying, hey, you got to stay here because there's stories of young women being assaulted in these fields by these day laborers. So it's a real threat that has happened that, you know, the goodness is is trying to stamp that kind of stuff out. And so, you know, you're going to talk a little bit about the the compassion of, of Boaz. It didn't just stop there. It wasn't It wasn't a... Um, he wasn't just trying to meet the legal standard yes. is, is what I would say is, you know, we, we know that God's legal standard was to not, to not glean the, excuse me, to not harvest the corners and to not pick up what you drop, so to speak, to leave those for the poor and the sojourner. Boaz goes far beyond that kind of legal th minimum. You know, this, he, he's not safe auto. He's not just trying to do the minimum <laughs> coverage, but, but he's, he's, he goes above and beyond that uh, minimum requirement. He says to Ruth, first of all, invites her to lunch, which is absolutely not necessary, uh, has her sit with his harvesters, takes special care to bring her some of the roasted grain. And, and it seems to be the case that he brings her much more than she actually needs because she takes them home to feed her mother-in-law. 
he takes the care to do that. And then, as we may have already noted, he, he goes to his workers and says, hey, uh, this is a good story. This is a special case. Get clumsy. let's drop a little let's drop a little and and uh, it just how and i think at this point in the story there boaz has i don't want to get in too deep in the weeds on chapter three but it doesn't seem that boaz has any romantic um um intentions toward ruth in chapter two Uh, i think there's a lot of evidence that he would have been much older and 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 he is genuinely surprised in chapter three yes. when Ruth when Ruth does what what she does and and kind of ask him to to take her as as a wife and and he says hey man there's there's younger dudes out there for you um, pretty young girl and, and and seems genuinely taken aback by that so I, I don't I think we misread chapter two if we say that well you know Boaz is trying to make a move on Ruth I don't think that's the case it's, I think it's genuine compassion generosity and benevolence yeah and, and i think it's if you go back to the conversation now listen my daughter right you know he's not saying listen pretty young thing it's you know i i think it's truly a you know he's looking at it that she's much younger you know here's a young beautiful girl i just want to help protect her i think that you know chapter two and you know in my eyes in my view and you know if you all disagree please let us know in the comments, but you know, my view is he's just looking at protective. He's kind of, he's got a nature of, of protection, of, of care, of concern, of compassion. And for lack of better terms, he's just putting his wings around her too. You know, he, and and to me, that tells me if he thinks this much about the foreign girl in the field, what's that tell you about how he feels about his workers? You think he's not overly protective of them boys too? that are out yep. there and making sure they're taken care of and they're fed and they've got what they need. That tells you a lot about his mindset. And I would say you say for his boys, but we're also told, I think in chapter two, that he also had women in his field also. And, right. and they were, they were part of that. And, and he, he told Ruth to stay close to them. Um, anyway, there's just, there's, there's so many little, little glimpses we get about the kind of person that Boaz was and, and, and the kind of organization that, that he ran um uh, just uh, again all providence but is there any wonder that that god puts this story in the lineage of christ for us to learn from it right and is there any wonder that this is the guy that gets blessed right you know it's it's not the guy that's running the slum field right it's not the guy with the you know workers that are abusing young women it's it's the guy that's doing it right and and i think that's the thing you know what we saw from joseph well i think what we see here from from this uh story as well is that they're blessed because they're doing godly things, right? That, that when we do things the right way, that's where, that's where the blessings come from. Um, so, so I think that's, that's important here too, that, that we have, um, you know, doing the right things leads to, to the blessings. So I want to go back to, to the meal too, because I think that's significant. And, and I'm going to call that, you know, business principle number three here is that, the fact that there's not a great separation between the top of the house and the workers, I think is significant. You know, he's not in the executive dining room. He's not eating up at the house, you know, by all intents, they're eating right here in the field, 
right? They're coming back out of the field. There's roasted grain. There's, there's, there's some kind of, you know, lunch that's prepared. And, and to, to Michael's point earlier, you know, he gave her a couple of big spoonfuls on that plate, you know, that he made sure. And, and I'm convinced, um, reading into the text here a little bit, if you'll give me a little leeway that, that it was intentional, that he knew, you know, I'm going to give you more than enough so that you got some to take back home. That, that it was his way to not only provide for Ruth, but also for Naomi, you know, at this, he was feeding, he knew he was feeding two people. Yes. Um, and and it, I don't know if this is an additional point or kind of alongside that one, Mike, but I, I think even if you, even you get down into chapter three and, and you, you kind of get, uh, uh, I don't want to get lost in the sauce of, of, you know, what, what all the uncovering of his feet and, 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 that, that gets that gets pretty deep into into Levitical law. But what I do know is the reason that Boaz was there alone is that he was threshing grain, and and that is uh, you know, not something I've ever done. I'm I'm going to bet it's something you've never done. That from what from what I know about it, it, it doesn't it doesn't seem like uh, he, he's pushing a pencil here. Like this is this is real work. Um, this is uh, in some measure crushing the grain, and then it's tossing it in the air and letting the chaff blow away and what falls is the grain. And this is, this is hard. This is labor. This is hard labor. Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about what kind of organization he has, but he's doing this himself in chapter three by himself, which I think is interesting. So a couple of things there, you know, he, he's not too good to do it. He must love what he does and he's out there doing it. Um, uh, I, I think that again, speaks, speaks to him. Right. And, 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 to the point time of day too, he's doing this well into the night. Yeah. Right. You know, he's, you know, he ends up passing out exhausted at the end of the night after, after working hard and late. So, you know, I, I think that's, that's, you know, an, another one of those principles, not only was he not away from them, but, you know, I, I'm going to call that business principle. Number four is, is never get so far away that you're not doing the work that you're asking others to do. You know, if you're a manager and, and you've got people underneath you, you should be doing that work and not necessarily that it's your job to do their work every day, but to work alongside them when things are short, when things are, are tight, I think it makes a big difference. It has in my career. I know it has in, in Michael's from other stories we've shared together, but when you're out there working alongside the people, when things are, are, are tough and they know that you're not afraid to pick up a broom and sweep a floor with them, you're not afraid to take out the trash that you're not any, you know, for lack of a better term, better than the common worker is that's, that, that goes huge in morale. I think that goes huge in the belief in your workers. I think that goes huge in the team concept. All of those things are, are massive business principles and, and we see them alive and well and working in judges. And I think they work today. Yes. Uh, and that, you know, that, I guess that one was the one that, that even more than everything else we've talked about jump, jumped out to me is I, I've read that account in chapter three many times and, and, you know, you kind of you you most of the time you hear that story from Ruth's perspective and, and everything that was going into what Ruth was doing there, which is significant. And and and, and all of the respect and, and uh, the chance that she was taking there. And, and, and there's a great story being told from her perspective. There's a story also from Boaz's perspective. And, and that story is he, he was working hard as an older guy. He's working hard late into the night doing what he loves in his own occupation. Um, and, I, I you know, uh, we've talked about all of the compassion, the benevolent things. I think we also get the, the, the lesson there that he's a hard worker. Um, and, and to your point, he's, he's, he's doing the grunt work. 
So point number five, and, and this, you know, as far as my notes go, this is the last point we've got that I think is, is significant too. So not only do we have him working hard, but he also rewards hard work. Um, you know, and, and his workers is working hard. And, and listen to, you know, remember Ruth's story here from earlier. The worker says she came in early and has worked till now except for a short rest. Now that's before lunchtime, right? Then they have lunch together. But I want to skip down to 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went up to the city and her mother-in-law and, and saw, showed her mother-in-law what she had gleaned. And then she brought out and gave her the food that she left over from lunch after being satisfied. And, you know, and then they go into the story of, you know, mother-in-law's like, all right, where'd you do this? You know, what all happened today? But you see how hard she worked. You know, she's early in the morning to late at night. And not only did she gather it all in, not only did she go hunt it and kill it, she drug it back and processed it. Like she did everything here soup to nuts because she had to, um, because there was nobody else to do that. And he noticed that, you know, it's in this story because he knows all those things that are going on. And, you know, as we get into chapter three and, and we get into to that story where they're having conversations back and forth and, and, and she's, you know, appealing to him, the work that she's done, how hard she is, that that's rewarded. That's what found favor in his eyes is she's not out there as some helpless damsel in distress. You know, she's out there doing everything she can, not only for herself, but for her mother-in-law that, you know, back to chapter one, she didn't have to. Correct. Two, and two things just off of that real quick. My, my version would say that, that what she gathered in that first day was 30 pounds of barley. Um, so trying to take, trying to take that, you know, measurement we may not be familiar with and convert it into something that we can. So, so this, this attractive young foreign woman is, is hauling around 30 pounds of barley all day. So that again, and then processed it. And to that, to your point, correct. And then, and then also, and I think you made, made this point, but just to expand on it, it wasn't like that she did this one day and Boaz was impressed. And then uh, the next, the next day he, she finds him in the threshing floor. If you look at, at the end of chapter two and verse 23, that she gathered grain until the end of the barley harvest, as well as to the end of the wheat harvest, there were many months of her doing this every day. Um, and, and I think that, you know, again, if we, if we just, think about the first day um, where Boaz is kind to her, we, we kind of missed the point that, that Ruth was after it day after day. And so that, uh, you know, we're talking primarily about Boaz here, but that principle is pretty good too. And that's what, that's what Boaz saw and to your point rewarded Ruth was after it. Um, and and I, I'm sure Boaz being someone, as we already noted, worked hard himself, appreciated that. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I don't think it was missed, you know, again, we, Sometimes one of the worst parts about Bible study is we assume that the next verse happened, you know, immediately thereafter, right? You know, that, that these things, that there's not time between all of them. But, you know, if you read carefully here, you see that, you know, from, you know, chapter two is, you know, maybe three months, six months of day in, day out grind before we get into chapter three that she's out there with these workers they're being clumsy this isn't just a he's not telling them to be clumsy one day that this is now going forward this is months of this so one of the things here too um and i, I i'm gonna slide in this other point um 
being overly generous is never a bad thing, right? That this wasn't just a, Hey boys, let's slipper a little extra grain today. You know, he was, he was overly generous. So if we want to get into maybe the business schools that you and I have been to that say, you don't leave margin on the table. Uh, you don't, you know, walk away from, you know, these deals here, but rather, you know, you've got to, you know, maximize your crop yield and maximize, you know, what you can get out of these things. Boaz left a lot of money on literally on the ground. Oh, you got no sound. You have to flip microphones, I guess. All right, so so we've lost Michael in some technical difficulties. So while he's he's playing with that, but I think it's you know again here it's it's important, it's significant that he's leaving this behind. His his generosity cost him something, and and that's one of the principles that we learned from Grace too. Grace costs the forgiver, not the forgiven. Now while the forgiven has to do something, you know Ruth wasn't laying around waiting for Boaz to bring her grain and waiting for Boaz to feed her and waiting for Boaz to take care of her. She was out working after these things. She was out, you know, doing her part that's here. But Boaz went through some cost and gave up profits and his his men that worked for him gave up profits in order to not only take care of her, but I, I think, you know, we missed this too. There are others out there gleaning. She's not the only one, you know, there's others out there in the field that are gleaning alongside her. Uh, others of these women that are working that, you know, she's, you know, one of, and, and I think it's important. She stands out, but the fact that he is, you know, giving up or um, allowing these, these profits to, to wash off. You any better sound wise? Okay. There you are. I'm not sure. You tell me. Yes, yeah, you're welcome good. back. Sorry, sorry about that. Lost my uh, lost my headphones there. So yeah, I, I think I think those those points all make sense. And and you know the 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 punchline here that we 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 have alluded to several times, but I think you know we all the way at the end of the book of Ruth and in, in chapter four at the end at the end of the chapter. It's not insignificant, or, or how, how? Why did God choose this field to push Ruth toward? And how, how does this? Why does the book of Ruth, this story about this foreign woman and this benevolent, uh, good business person, why does it land in the middle of our Old Testament? Well, it's because that if you follow from verse eighteen to verse twenty-two, we're a few generations away from David. That that's why. And 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 so Boaz fits into that. So what is it? Boaz was would have been David's great grandfather, right? Or great great grandfather, and you know why? Why is that? Why is this in our in our Bibles at all? Is it fits into the salvation story um, through through the lineage of David and the, and the lineage of Christ? And and so you know, it's 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 not completely far fetched to say that Boaz his the principles of in in his you know enterprise and his business operation the 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 culture and and the the care that he took for others and all those business principles and the things that we're supposed to learn from him because they were part of his life and a part of his business god and his providence made him part of the whole redemption story that that's pretty phenomenal the impact you know the the bigger picture impact that he had just because he was a good dude and he ran his business the right way right and and you know i think it's significant that we've got the book of ruth and not a 
line item in genealogy, right? This, this is significant enough. All the things, the, the foreshadowing, the spiritual, the messianic stuff that's in here, all of that is, is so important that we've got a book instead of a line item in genealogy. And, and it's to the point that, you know, Boaz is a, you know, to use this, this point, and I think many of you that are listening understand what I'm saying with this, but is a type of Christ. He is a redeemer. He is compassionate. He is, you know, he is the embodiment of, of what we're supposed to be and a lesson that we learn of not only Ruth, but I think we know Ruth's story and, and we can be Ruth's, but I think we need to be Boaz's too. Um, and, and we need to, to, to look at and, and learn from there to be, um, you know, to be good like that in our, our business enterprise practices, because we don't know when we're employing the next route. And his, his business supported the work that he was doing for God. That, I mean, his, it didn't, does not appear that his, that his uh, business interfered with or that it got in the way of his service to God, but that because he had what he had, it allowed him to be a service it, that his, his enterprise, his business supported his service to God. Uh, that, anyway, that's where you yeah, end up. It's it, it, in our study. So, I, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna echo and scream that. Um, you know, if you all don't learn anything else from any of the rest of our banner, like that is our guiding principle that we we go to work in order to be able to do things for God, not the other way around. You know that 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 our you know our business enterprises, our work, um, whether you're an employee or an employer, or a manager, or, you know, whatever, but that's all to facilitate the good that we do in the kingdom. Like, we, we, we are trying to accomplish goals in the kingdom, and if we can keep that focused and understand that, that all this business stuff, the money, the resources, the blessings, that that's a funnel to be able to help us do things and not a bucket to store it in, we're going to be a lot better off. So, so that's what, you know, you've heard us use that term of funnel. I don't even remember who you stole that from Michael. Cause I, I know I got that from you, but that idea of being a, a funnel. And, and if there's not a better funnel in scripture than Boaz, then uh, I'm all ears. Uh, Cause that, that's just screams what we're supposed to be doing. Yep. Uh, underrated. Uh, so good study. Uh I'm not sure where we go next. Who's the next, who's the next business person? Uh, I, I know we've got, we've tossed around some other ideas, but we're, uh, I'm sure we'll be anxious to get to that study. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll look for some more and you all can, uh, again, if there's anybody you all can think of as you're listening to this, that you want us to, to approach, please leave them in our comments, call or text or, or email me or Michael, and we'd be happy to add them in. But uh, we want to kind of mix in some of these, as I said in the beginning, some of these deep cuts of guys that I think are in here and that are significant, um, as well as some, some main characters that, that you all know real well. Thank you for your time with us. Thanks for joining in. And uh, as you've seen in the pictures, uh, Michael has several people and dogs pulling at him. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll cut it loose for this morning. But thank you all for being with us, and thank you all for tuning in. God bless, man.